Welcome to Wealth Stories, a brand new podcast brought to you by London Capital, offering straight talk and clear thinking around stories of wealth. Every episode, Robert Paul is joined by an expert from London Capital and a special guest to share their experiences and insights around topics ranging from divorce to the psychological effects of coming into wealth. Welcome to this episode of Wealth Stories. Um, my name is Robert Paul. I'm a partner and head of the US Family Office at London and Capital. And I'm delighted to be joined by Charmaine from Wedlake Bell. Hello, Charmaine. Hello. It's lovely to be here. Thank you very much indeed. It's not often that family lawyers get invited to auspicious occasions like this where we're talking about money. Well, you can come again if you describe it as auspicious. That's fantastic. <laughs> uh, and also Jenny Judd. Yes, great to be here, Rob. Thank you. Fantastic. And today we are talking about coming into wealth. And we've very succinctly given ourselves the strong rule of three, which is three key topics we're going to try and talk around in the next half an hour or so. And that is the psychology of coming into wealth, the financial impacts, uh, and the perception to the outside world, which I think could be one of the most interesting parts of this. So where to start? Charmaine, let's, let's frame this. Okay, uh, well, guys. because I've done family law for a long, long time, I won't tell you how many years, I usually see people on the first occasion as a divorce lawyer. I see them on the first occasion at their psychological worst. In other words, the world's bleak, everything's bad, and their emotions are spinning between their head and their heart. Then they come in to see me And hopefully they leave on a slightly higher ebb, which is they are psychologically a little bit stronger, but in a real state of turmoil. And I suppose, Charmaine, on that point, at that lowest ebb, when they arrive in your office, how often is finance front and centre of their minds? Or is it but a part that comes later? No, finance is... For the very wealthy and the very poor, it's the the route to survival. So if it was that simple, Rob, I would have written an app and been sitting on the beach in the Caribbean and letting the money pop into into the app. But everyone's psychological needs are so different. So for me, they have to trust, and I think this is a theme that runs through both our lives, Jenny, because the people you see... Um, have got to trust you. And before we had all these regulations, as we're talking about wealth stories, I can remember 25 years ago, a lady coming in and saying, all I want is my house. And she ended up getting, talking 25 years ago, three or four million was a lot of money. And um, I was very foolish because I just left her with the money and said to her, have you got a will? Have you got a power of attorney? Good luck. And off she went. And I got a terrible phone call about four years later where she was absolutely ranting at me, saying, how dare you, how stupid of you to have let me into the world. And I thought, goodness me, this is interesting. It's not a client of ours, Jenny, is she? What? No, 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 not that we know of, Rob, no. But she had wandered into the world with us four million, given this money to somebody to manage. And she was phoning me up and saying, you taught me to trust people. And it was before you had all these regulations. And some crook had got hold of her, taken most of the money off her, promising her the world. 
And she thought it was now my fault because she trusted me and she thought she could trust the next person. Yeah. It was a bit like going to a doctor. You trust your GP and yeah. then you think mm. you can trust the consultant as well. Yeah. Um, so you probably have got more responsibility than me because I just get the money for them and you've got to then help them because, uh, Jenny, I don't know what you think, but the average person out there, actually, when it comes down to the nitty-gritty, actually knows very little. Yeah, I think I think you're right, actually. And I think especially for those people that haven't managed the wealth before or haven't got involved with any of the financial decisions before, it's, it's hugely daunting, actually. And they often don't, it's that you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. So and, actually, and, you know. And do you find that they actually tell you they don't know or do they bluff you they do know? A bit of both, actually. It depends on the, depends yeah. on the person. Well, I think, Charmaine, you made a really interesting point that, you know, Jenny sees this person when they've got the money actually quite often that that's not the holy grail for us is it no I, I think actually more and more we are being introduced to clients earlier in the process for that very reason for that very reason because actually sometimes when it comes to the point where they've got the money there should have been so much planning or just that thought process or some of those questions yeah. asked yeah. earlier yeah. that actually if it's left until the point where they've got the money that's they actually could actually be in a more vulnerable situation. And, and it comes down to the trust point. It yeah. does. And, and actually, I think the trust point is so important because you, you won't always trust that first person that you meet. That, that first financial planner or lawyer, you know, might not be the right person for you. I think sometimes it's about personality. I, I think certain clients, especially when this is something that's new, they need to have somebody they're comfortable with, somebody that they can ask those questions of, somebody that they can feel can guide them but is very genuine, that listens to them rather than talks at them. You know, they may have been in a situation before where somebody's completely taken control, told them what they need to do, but actually now they need to think for themselves. And they may even, I mean, I'm asked regularly, you know, what should I be asking you? Because clients don't always know. You know, they don't always know but, what but to I, ask. But I think you've hit the nail on the head. And everything in life is about the preparation it yes. doesn't matter what you go into in life. It's all preparation. So, yeah. uh, uh, Sorry, um, uh, what, when, when the clients come to you, Charmaine, what's the biggest financial concern? Is it lifestyle? Is it running out of money? It is how to look after it? Is, you know, because there's lots of different angles you could take on that. It is. And it's quite interesting because the lesser experienced, which I think is what Jenny's talking about, all they want to know is they're going to have a roof over their head. Mm. So that's the one thing. The more wealthy are more concerned about, Rob, your point, how does the outside world perceive me? So you will Which have, has lots of connotations that, oh, at that point in itself. Absolutely. I've just had a matter where they had five horses and they were dressage horses and the one party was prepared to give up huge swathes of money or huge interest in artwork just so that her friends knew she kept the five horses or four horses. Mm. Meanwhile, those horses were going to be an absolute financial drain, but it didn't matter. It was the outside world's mm. perception of success. But the outside perception is fascinating. And Jenny, this comes into our world. You know, it's outside perception. You know, people soon become aware or they think they're aware that this person now has money. And that creates all sorts of, you know, good elements, but also potentially bad elements. 
Yeah, completely. I was just thinking that, Charmaine, as you were saying that, because there are two sides to it almost. There are those people that want to kind of keep up appearances and don't want people to, it almost feel sh- that element of shame that they may, you know, be in this situation, which is terrible. But on the other side, people that perhaps haven't outwardly been so wealthy in the past, because perhaps they have been in a more controlling situation or they haven't dealt with it. They didn't realize they had this money. Now they have. And actually, that can bring, yeah, it can bring about lots of different, you know, situations, actually. It could be that now in their own lives, they have other trust issues with people, family members, with friends that perhaps might be asking them for money that, you know, that hadn't happened before. New partners, that concern around whether or not there's a question mark about, you know, intentions and money that is money brings problems it it can bring problems and actually I have had conversations very much in that vein with clients before where actually they find the money quite stressful they almost think that their life was simpler without it because it comes with so much you know planning so so the dynamics in friendships can change you know I've had clients again that have said to me you know it's difficult now because within our friendship groups you know they're having one type of holiday I can afford another how does that work? Well, I think you know. what Rob said was really interesting. It's how the outside world. That's very kind of you to say, Charmaine. Not many people say that, so <laughs> I'm very generous. You can come again. <laughs> the, um, the outside world's perception. I remember a gentleman quite young uh, came in to see me and he said, well, you've done two divorces for me. Is this like a whoops? Do I get the third one for nothing? And I said, don't tell me you're getting divorced again. He said, do you get as much repeat business as I'm giving you? And, and I said to him, you know, I've actually decided what the problem is in your life and he said are you putting a psychological hat on I said let me just explain to you when you take your next date out why not use your mother's nanny's beaten up golf to take these women out why go in a Ferrari just do not think about what you said Rob the outside world's perception Mm. so a couple of months later he phoned me up we finished this third divorce he phoned me up and he was really cross he said you know in basic language, these women are not interested in me. I said, why? Have you got fat? Uh, uh, are you looking older? He said, no, I'm looking as smooth as I've always looked. But I have to tell you, they get in the car and the car is smelly. You can see the hole by the gear stick onto the road. Uh, they wear their best outfits. And although I take them to the best places, they're just not interested in me. So I decided... I would use my car on the third date. So if they risked the second date, that was fine. But on the third date, I used my own car. And the one woman who I really liked, he said, she said to me, who did you borrow the car from? So he said, a very good friend. Mm-hmm. So she said, is your friend married? Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and, and he said, so the outside perception is absolutely everything. Mm. And mm. and I think what you're saying is also really true. Everything's in the preparation. But, but it's funny, your role on the, on the psychological side there is not dissimilar, Jenny, to the role that, that we tend to play is almost the bad person. You know, we're, we're the get out of jail card in terms of, of that decision making, because when fr- friends come along, families come along, I suddenly think, oh, we, we need some money for investment, a bit of property, whatever it might be. It's very hard to say no to family, you know, or no to, to friends, isn't it? Or children. Or children or, or any it sort is. of connection you have. Yeah. It is. And it's and it's so important that actually they that clients that we work with have somebody they can trust, that they can rely on 
to be that voice of reason or that person saying, no, you shouldn't be doing this, well, you know, because actually we, we're protecting the client. You well, know, we our, bl- our job we is bl- to protect the client. We always blame you. We yeah. say, you're, you're among many people who blame us, <laughs> yeah. Charmaine. So, uh, so what we often say to people is, well, you're going to have to have a prenuptial agreement or a postnuptial agreement. And they say, oh, that's not too romantic. Mm. And we say, well, everywhere else in the world is so used to prenuptials and postnuptials. Just in England, we're just a bit too proper. Is that and the case? Do you think that's the case? Think it is Brits who are very much, very much, very much. Europe have prenuptials and postnuptials so common. Uh, the colonies so common, America so common, but here we don't have a standard document because it's not part of our law. It's given weight, but most importantly, they say, "Well, that's not terribly romantic." I'm going to be going down on my knee, having bought this beautiful diamond ring, and she's going to say, "Yes." Do I tell her then that this also comes with a prenup, or do I tell her afterwards? And we say, "We don't." Who do we blame? They say, and we say. You blame them. You've got a five-year plan in place yeah. and and therefore it's very important that this isn't disturbed because people don't realise that when they make, from my perception of it, you make financial decisions based on a short plan, a long plan or, or some plan. So if we come on to the financial side of it a second, obviously, because as we said earlier on, Often, you know, this party will suddenly arrive to a pot of money uh, with all sorts of decisions that maybe they think they have to make or, or they do have to make. What's sort of your number one rule, Jenny, or um, maybe not? Maybe it's not one that you sort of say to, the, to these clients. Honestly, I think the, the first thing I would say to them is take time. There's no rush. Don't, don't rush into making big decisions too soon. Um, I think... Although perhaps, Charmaine, they don't come to us, clients don't come to us when they're quite so emotional as perhaps that first meeting with you, there's still a huge amount of emotion involved. And that can cloud your judgment sometimes. So I think, you know, don't make quick decisions. I think certainly around things like property, I think people are often, because they're thinking about the here and now, that very short term, they can often rush into making big decisions around property, perhaps spend too much on a property because they want something that's exactly as they've had before but of course there may not be the same level in the pot as they'd had before any decision I think needs time so I think just take a step back really understand the current financial situation understand what that means you know the tax the tax side of things however boring that might be to a lot of people it's really important to understand you know if they're thinking about drawing down on some assets now which order should they do that in take some sound advice and really think about what the future will hold so Think about now, think about the short term, what they need. Think about then the next few years, whether that's that involves children, school fees, university, whether that involves retirement. Really think about that longer term lifeline and think about what, what they're, they're going to need and then make some plans around that. Also, you know, that, that, you know, often I'm going to throw the blame back on your world, Charmaine. You know, we come out of these processes with us or preordained what my life costs, what it looks like, because that's part of the process. You know, you have to go to get these settlements. But the reality is this is typically a whole new world for these fam- these individuals, whether they now might not be um, uh, having you know, a family holiday, they go on holiday on their own. You know, so very often we see you don't know what your new financial world looks like until you've lived it for 12, 24 months, whatever it might be. And so it's very rash, perhaps, to make decisions now based on a, on a previous financial life 
rather than the life you're going to live. And that takes time to learn, adapt and get used to. Yeah, well, that's so refreshing, Jenny, because you're really echoing what we say to the client as well. And that is don't rush out and make big decisions because you're going to make the wrong decision. Mm-hmm. And remember, all these people have got someone else whispering in their ear. Yeah. And you don't know. You, they go off to a dinner party and someone says, well, the most important investment you can make in the potter's tip I've got is equitable life. But the professionals try to instill in the person that everything's got to take time and you've got to do this slowly. And I think the friends are the ones who are trying to give hot tips. Well, <laughs> But the dinner party thing is so true, Charmaine. I, I'm yet to meet a client who went to dinner party where someone did, made a loss. You know, <laughs> you must avoid this stock I bought because it did awfully. You know, it's always uh, it's always the ones that do well, isn't it? And yeah. a dinner party of 10 people, there's the one person who made money and nine people very quietly sitting on losses, you know. That's very right. true. Yeah. And everyone's, people talk about their own experiences, but their situation could be wildly different from the person they're giving advice to or saying they should, you know, That's what right. they should do That's with their money. Um, and that is why people have to work with professionals because that professional will take a step back and understand them as an individual, mm-hmm. not as a you know, as a group of people that should be making certain decisions. But, but that's a very interesting point. And I, I'm sure it's exactly the same in your world. Obviously, there are some frameworks around, I realise I said your world, pointing at Charmaine, but no one can see me pointing at Charmaine. Your world, Charmaine. Because, um, you know, there are typically, there's a framework and a process and, and uh, a formula you might go through. But to assume that it's cookie cutter would just be, you know, ridiculous. And we see that in our world, and I'm sure it's the same in yours. Absolutely, absolutely. But I think when we used to consult with clients in offices, I had a chart on my wall, which was a chart from the Medical and Dental Council dealing with stress. And the most stressful thing that can happen is a child dying. Mm. And then the next most stressful thing was always a child having died. And then the third most stressful thing was relationship breakdown. And attached to the relationship breakdown was managing finance. So it wasn't always just the heartbreak. It was the difficulty of being able to grasp that Mm. you were in control of your own world. And it's even for the people who have got the money. A lot of people who've made their money and are involved in divorce end up thinking, how am I going to survive? With less. You're right. Absolutely. Absolutely. The point I was going to come on to next is that, you know, we're talking a little bit here, maybe suggest, suggestively about the party who maybe wasn't used to having money. Obviously, there's always two sides to every equation. And you have a very good client by the sound of things who is the money side of the relationship. But that can have a whole psychological play because suddenly, you know, you've gone through the separation. There might be some resentment and you're having to also give in, in the eye of the, in the eye of the beholder, obviously, is now saying, I'm also giving to this person. I don't want to give money to and there's resentment there. And there's a whole new cost of living, which comes with that. Yeah. Which is life changing. Because if somebody has been working, you know, uh, well, as a family unit, they've been working, you know, building a well certain corrected, lifestyle. Well corrected, Jenny, well <laughs> <laughs> Building a certain lifestyle. And inevitably that lifestyle, there are going to be changes, you know, that yes. they've got to adjust to. Exactly. And if we think about something like pensions, you know, people can build huge pension pots. If that's then shared, then that that's 50% of what they were planning to potentially retire on. There's obviously other wealth, hopefully, uh, in, in excess of the pension, but... How do you rebuild that if you're at a certain stage in your life? Do, do you find in your world, Charmaine, that uh, people almost, uh, they'll come into you in, in this position of angst and find it hard for the process to end? I know that might sound bizarre, but you're they this do. comfort blanket. They do. They almost, a couple of instances, 
the client has said you're a bit like my Linus. And you do get to know, I always say to people, the one reason why I don't watch any of the TV box sets or and I don't read romantic novels is because at the end of a case, you know about the client's sex life and their money, and and people would pay thousands to have my job. They would, we would, they'd have to pay me for the job rather yeah. than me being paid. Well, isn't for there the a job. new, isn't there a new documentary or, or uh, program on one of the streaming channels whose name I won't mention <laughs> uh, about your profession? There is, yeah, there, there you is. are. I watched, you I watched are. it. It's yeah. Yeah. yeah, all part of your research, Jenny. <laughs> obviously, <laughs> obviously in the area. Yeah, but, but, but you do. And and I think the most interesting thing, Rob, speaking about human nature and client stories I can remember for many years going to dinner parties and very close friends or my partner saying to me who at the table did you know because he says all of a sudden you as far as outside world's perception you were more acting like a lawyer than socializing tonight because there was someone at that dinner table that you're representing interesting and and obviously it hasn't come out and it's a little bit like dealing with very famous pop stars or footballers i can remember my daughter when she was very young coming into the office and me having to say to her you're going to have to sit there and do your homework in reception because i'm really busy and then she'd see a sort of teeny bopper pop star that she quite liked and she'd say oh mum can you get tickets for a concert? And meanwhile, this particular pop star is sitting there crying her eyes out, is looking as shabby in her tracksuit as she possibly can and doesn't even look like the person we see on television, a bit like the very famous singer who had to cancel her concert at the last minute. The -hmm. photographs that were published of her were not very endearing. But the thing is that people's perception of how people present themselves with emotional turmoil and the emotional turmoil is caused by Mm. the area you deal with Jenny which is matters of the head Mm. and areas I deal with which are matters of the heart and it's really to flow I think the family departments of the future will have a, a, a you, Jenny, in the department will have a psychologist or counsellor yep. in the mm. department and will yeah. also have an accountant in the department because I'm not um, experienced or skilled enough to value a business. So we've still got to go out and get the business valued by an expert. We've still got to get what you do, uh, someone to work out what the yield can be from this money. You can mm-hmm. use as many tables as you like, yeah. but in real life, it's very different to what yeah. we use in theory. But what, what you're saying, that, that that's a really interesting point, and we sort of come full circle in many ways because we talk about the challenge sometimes for the client to relinquish you, Charmaine, mm-hmm. and move on to someone else. Well, actually, really, that whole process is made much easier if you have a Jenny, yeah. as Absolutely. it were, you know, early on in this process. So there can be a very smooth, slow Handing transition over... over Rather than this, I call them these cliff edge moments, as Jane knows, these cliff edge moments where suddenly you're, you're, you're off a cliff and it's a whole new world and a new advisor, new trust, new relationship, new building up. Absolutely. Um, Actually, Rob, you've hit the nail on the head. People don't want to pay my hourly rate for me to sit there. Which is very reasonable, I hasten to add. Just to say, <laughs> that, that, yeah, value for money. Yeah. Yeah. But they don't want to pay my hourly rate to be discussing whether they're going to have a townhouse, whether they're going to have a garden, or whether they're going to live in the country. Yeah. Whereas you are in a position, Jenny, where you can say to them, well, 
I presume, if they're saying to you, look, we need £8,000 a month to live, and you can say, well, in those circumstances, the house you can buy is only £1.5 you can't have that £9 million yeah. house. But you see, you can manage their expectations, whereas we can't manage their expectations because we're not allowed to give financial advice. Well, that's interesting. You come on to what we're going to... There's two more points we're going to cover. The first thing is saying no or you can't have that, right? So, you know, in our world, and, you know, you, you mentioned it briefly then about the £9 million house in your example, often, you know, part of being good at our job, I would say, is to sometimes say to clients, well, you might want that, but I'm not going to sit here and say, yes, you can't have it, or, or these are the financial repercussions of having it. And that must be, a, you know, that's a huge part of what we do. Completely. I come across it quite often, actually. And it's um, very easy to try and, you know, to get the client, favor, to win the client, them. to say yes, mm, right, yeah. to say yes, because that's what these people are used to hearing, typically, um, or m- maybe. Yeah, but you can't, because actually there's a huge risk to their financial plan if they're making decisions that aren't right for them. And just going back to property, that is a big one. You know, it has come up a couple of times recently where um, it has been in cases where it is a divorce. A couple of people have looked to buy a property or thought to buy a property which is probably outside of their budget now, in reality, when we think about what they need on a monthly basis, on an annual basis, to sustain their lifestyle and, it's and a to package. keep a good lifestyle. And it's a package because you've got to look at it when the pensions kick in. You've yes. got to look at it. Yeah. And they have no, you have no idea what the future holds. To manage an expectation of a client has got to, in my estimation, be the most difficult job that any professional can have because the worst professional is the one that panders to the wish of the client and that's when the client is let down and to actually but obviously have, the easiest thing to do and it's the easiest thing to do and and they want to favor or curry favors with the client and that is probably the worst financial mm. advice they can be given do, do you have that in your world people come in and say look this is what i think i can get you know they're basically telling you and you're, you just have to transact it charmaine i've got it all lined up don't worry yeah and you've got to say to them realistically sometimes it goes either way like sometime i recently had a lady came in her her husband was the CEO of a public company and she said, we've got no money and he's not going to. He only gives me two grand a month and he pays the bills, but we haven't got any money and all I want to do is I want to get into a house. Our house is worth 15 million. I'm looking at a house worth 7 million. Do you think you can deliver? And you're thinking to yourself, well, I've looked up your husband. You see, Big Brother is there for everything these days yeah. so you can look yeah. up anybody. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, well, if your expectations are seven million, the good professional is the one who manages expectations so that the end result becomes fabulous. So you yeah. you then saying, well, of course you can have your seven million pound house. Yeah. And if you manage that and they come out with 15 million for a house, they're thinking, golly, she was a really good lawyer. But you then get the ones who thinking she's really crap because... She, uh, all I wanted was a seven and a half million pound house, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. she only got me a four and a half million pound house. We've talked a lot about psychology today, but I think the reality is a huge part of the clients that we work with. Um, right, we're going to, I'm conscious of time. So if you both finish with one point, what would be your single biggest tip to anyone going through this process from your profession? Charmaine, I'm going to put you on the spot first. Well, I'm going to have to steal Jenny's point, and that is don't make any serious decisions in the first year. 
Jenny's busy scrambling on her paper here. You know, <laughs> 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 You've stolen my phone. <laughs> no. Um, no, I think you have to take it slowly because so much can change in a year and you as a person can change in a year and you've got to change. Yeah. Yeah. Jenny? Yeah, I, I think maybe two or three points. <laughs> just Absolutely fine. Um, work with people you can trust. Even if that means you have to speak to two or three people to find that person that you can trust. Yeah, don't forget about the future would be a key one for me as well. Because I think people are very focused on the here and now. That fear of their current situation, how that might change. And sometimes they forget then about the fact that they need to, this lifestyle is for the, you know, for the next however many years. You know, don't just think about now. And yeah, take time just to reiterate that again, I think. Don't, absolutely don't rush into those decisions. Brilliant. Charmaine, Jenny, thank you so much for joining us on uh, this episode of Well Stories. We could probably talk for hours about this topic, but it's been absolutely fascinating. I've loved it. And uh, to be continued. Thank you. And thank you. Subscribe to the series to hear personal stories, learnings and discussions around real life cases. It's an investment you won't regret.